Hey folks, Simon here from the Velo Performance Podcast. Now this month, I've got a really special guest on. Rennie McGregor is a sports dietitian who specialises in the female athlete and works with people to overcome eating disorders. One of the things I do here at Velo is make sure that all the information I give out is as evidence-based as possible. So Rene has been on my radar for a very long time. I read a blog by Rene recently all about blood glucose monitors and it's something that a lot of our members at Velo have asked me about and I've written a small blog about this too. But actually the best thing I, I could have done was get her on the podcast and talk about this very subject. So if you want to know why carbohydrates actually don't make you fat, why blood glucose monitors really potentially could be the most dangerous thing for the nutrition sphere in the long term future, why calories are not the only thing to be thinking about and why we just don't need to be fearful about carbohydrates or sugar and hear her thoughts on what we should be focusing on instead, then this podcast is definitely going to be an eye opener. So without further ado, let's get into it. Rene, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you because there's so much information, especially so this podcast will go out in January. So it's a perfect time for people to listen in. And I think the best thing to do is really for you to tell us where what you do and what your speciality is, and we can take it from there. Okay, so I'm Rini McGregor. I'm a sports dietitian. Um, I guess I specialize in performance nutrition, but I really, really specialize in that niche area of trying to help people that have a complicated relationship with food, body, training, and get them to a place where they can be optimal in their performance, but also have a much better relationship in those areas. I guess that's kind of what I'm best known for. So I'm always trying to keep on top of all the science and call out all the bullshit fundamentally and basically help people to navigate this crazy space that has become nutrition. And it shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're, we're on the same side, I think, realistic, which is why I reached out to you because what we do at Velo is we educate and we tell them the science and the understanding about nutritional practices, so basics, and keep that as a founding knowledge. But actually what we really do is teach them about food and feelings and understanding of hunger management and, and being very relaxed around food and, and not seeing as certain things. So the way I coach it, it's like nothing's off the table unless, of course, you're allergic to it or it doesn't fit your, fit your belief systems. And no diet, unless of course it's not fitting your training, is off the table. But there are certain things we need to educate you that you can do. I think the thing that I wanted to chat to you about more importantly is, I mean, it's it's I think it's gathering gathering pace. Is that people are still adamant about carbohydrates being really bad for you, and there's a big thing in the in the marketplace going at the moment, which is all about how we shouldn't push insulin at all high and we should keep that super low at all times if we ever want to lose body weight what I think a lot of these companies are doing and missing them up big time in the fact that they're not really talking about health they're only talking about fat loss and weight loss and potentially maybe talking about keeping carbohydrates low for health but there's a big mismatch between what they're trying to sell us and you know what's your take on it at the moment how I think ultimately my first thing is that a lot of people that I coach when they first come on board are fired of carbohydrates. So what would be really cool actually would be for you to maybe sort of because I always talk about this with the guys and girls that I coach like carbohydrates don't actually make you fat and there's a you know it's quite a mechanism to get it there. So maybe you could go into the details of that so anybody listening go oh I get it I finally get it. Yeah, sure. I think, yeah, this whole demonization of carbohydrate, I hope, had really hoped had left us behind, but sadly not. Um, so I guess the first place to sort of start is looking at what carbohydrate is. And there's obviously two types of carbohydrate. You have your kind of complex carbohydrates, which are a structure, and hence they take a little bit longer to break down in the body, but they do break down to glucose. Um, and then you have your more kind of simple carbohydrates which is fundamentally different types of sugar whether that's fructose whether that's sucrose whether that's you know glucose whatever form it is and these are much more quickly digested by the body and turned into glucose 
And the reason why the human body needs glucose is because it is the preferred currency of energy, particularly for the brain. So the brain really likes glucose. And actually, we have seen on many um, MRI scans and in studies that if you don't have enough glucose in it, then a lot of the um, pathways and sort of um, processes that occur in the brain can't happen as effectively and as efficiently. It's also why when you are hungry and your blood glucose is dropping, you find it so difficult to make sense and you get a bit irrational and maybe you can't even concentrate or even think of the word that you're trying to find because the brain can't work as effectively. So that's a really important thing to remember is that the human body prefers glucose as its energy source. So it can get it can get energy from other sources, but it prefers glucose because it's it's easy. Um, so where carbohydrates start getting a bad press is that it can be very easy to over consume those simple carbs. So the example I tend to give people is if we think about um, a bag of jelly babies, that you know we might pick up when we're on a trip somewhere. A bag of jelly babies, family bag of jelly babies, will contain 152 grams of carbohydrate. That's quite a lot of carbohydrate to consume in one go, depending on your size of carbohydrate. It would be the equivalent of trying to eat three large medium, sorry, three large baked potatoes. So if you think about it, if you're trying to sit there and eat three large baked potatoes, you're going to struggle, right? So the reason why this started to kind of get confused is that people just started to use the term carbohydrate, and then that created fear to eat bread and fear to eat pasta and fear to eat potatoes. And yet these foods are really important in our diet because not only do they provide us with energy and carbohydrate but they also provide us cases with fiber which is important for our gut biome um, so yes it is easy to over consume easily digestible carbohydrates like sugar but that also doesn't mean you should never have those either it's just about being mindful of when you use them so in sport there are going to be definite times when easily digestible carbohydrates are more important. So, you know, in just before a session, during an endurance session to maintain that kind of carbohydrate intake so that you can maintain your pace, it's going to be important. But also in the immediate aftermath of a session, because actually, believe it or not, what you are trying to do is get insulin to rise at that point. So when we exercise, we actually sort of reduce our production of insulin, which is kind of normal. And then when you have finished exercising, what you're trying to do is recover and get energy back into the body as quickly as possible. And insulin has also had a really bad press. And insulin is a hormone that helps us to absorb nutrients and not just glucose, by the way. It actually also is important for the absorption of protein and of um, a fat to a certain degree as well. So if you are obsessed with protein, then you're only going to absorb the protein properly if you've actually allow insulin to um, rise as well. So it, what, uh, what I think has happened here, as with everything to do with nutrition, is that the information has been taken on board by someone with no scientific brain, with no qualifications in nutrition or science, or really truly understanding how the human body works, appreciating the complexity of the human body. And they have dumbed it right down and basically said, if you eat carbs, you'll put weight on. And it doesn't work like that. So when we consume, let's say we have our porridge for breakfast, what happens is our body absorbs the porridge for breakfast, it breaks it down into glucose, it stores what it can into our glycogen stores in our muscles, in our liver and in our brain. And then whatever is maybe left over will be carried around in our bloodstream and used up for our daily movement during that time. And, and that can be used up fairly quickly. Like, you know, as soon as you start walking, you're using energy fundamentally. As soon as you're standing up, you're using energy fundamentally. It's only really when you're asleep, you're still using energy 
but maybe not as much to be fair right so so it's not like if you eat carbs you're suddenly going to put weight on it's the sort of the age old if you consume anything to excess of your overall needs then over time and i really want to stress that it's not even in a day it's not even in a week we're talking about over a longer period of time you know 10 days two weeks probably more like a month if you don't get that overall balance correct then yes you start noticing that you put weight on potentially but again it's not even that is i've simplified it down to kind of help people to understand but fundamentally we are not just energy in energy out because there's so many complex reactions that are going on in our body that need energy that actually you don't know how much energy you really need so even though you might think oh well i haven't done anything today but so I better not eat carbs, which is the general thing I hear in clinic all the time. Yeah, but you did train yesterday and your body is still recovering from that. And it needs the carbohydrate to, you know, produce red blood cells. It needs the carbohydrate to bone health. It needs the carbohydrate to make sure that your hormones are working for you. Like it's not just we need carbs when we move. We actually need good nutrition every day throughout the day to make sure that we can operate properly. It's just that we've become so fearful of, I suppose weight is probably the best way to describe it. We've become so fearful of being overweight or becoming obese because we hear it all, all the time. That's all the media talks about is, you know, the the strain that people who are overweight and obese put on the NHS, the increase in prevalence of disease. And again, even that, yes, there is absolutely some truth in that, but also something like obesity in particular is a really complex endocrine condition. It's not just somebody who doesn't have control and doesn't know when to stop. It's it's complicated. And so I guess, yeah, it it, it winds me up chronic. But carbs are really not the enemy and they are so important for your brain, for your central nervous system and also for your hormonal system. And if you want to perform well, you need all those three things to work well for you. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. So look, I am with the with them. I've taught it wrong, but with the people that I, I work with, um, I'm always seeing, especially because a lot of the people that I work with are over 40. And they're doing long distance training, etc. And I keep saying to them, say, look, you know, protein's important because you need to hold on to lean muscle mass, especially to get older. And carbohydrates are important because they're muscle sparing. Uh, they allow you to hold on to more muscle, but they give you more energy. And as long as you've got a mindset on your calories and you're thinking about what your daily needs are, you're going to be all right. It's, you know, calories are important. They're a good roadmap to work off. And it's the people that when they first start with me, they eat a very small amount of carbohydrates and, and and really not really focusing on that aspect. So they're petrified of sticking more in because they're like, well, what happens if this happens? Well, look, calories are your guideline. Your macros help you power your performance. They're also going to help you look leaner in the long run. From what I understand, you know, a higher carbohydrate diet within a within your calorie guidelines and a, a equated uh uh, high protein diet helps you look cleaner but also perform better and recover better um and it's like well you know uh, who doesn't want that especially when we're training hard and consistently over time you made a really good point and i you know some people are terrible for this in their quieter days of training they literally pull right back on their on their nutrition which is something i say don't do that you know just don't because you it's recovery your body needs to adapt to the training you just thrown at it and get ready physically to be able to do more later on putting nothing in the tank is going to give not much in return um so it's such a good thing is there have i got that right in that way of thinking yeah to a certain degree i mean i'm not a big fan of calories because i think again i just don't like people to get obsessive about the in and out because i actually think it's very very difficult for anybody to work out how many calories they are expending on a daily basis yeah, even even from a even if you were sat in a lab doing the kind of lab testing even there's not real life so you're not really testing what 
the reality is and things affect our expenditure like for example if it's freezing cold it affects our expenditure if it's boiling hot it's it, it you know impacts our expenditure if you are unwell it affects our expenditure so i think it's really important to kind of be mindful absolutely in what you're saying but understand that it's very very difficult to know I mean, I couldn't tell you how many calories I utilize on a daily basis and also that it varies depending on how many times I go up and down the stairs or how many times I walk the dog or, you know, like and that's I even think about my training. So I think, you know, what we do know from physiological studies is that the human body is biologically biased towards energy balance. It likes to achieve energy balance. So it will always work towards that, which means that if on the odd day you might consume a bit more than your body needs in that day, actually what you'll find is that the body switches on behaviours to support that. So your, meta your metabolic rate will rise a little bit more. You probably become a little bit more fidgety than you even realise. Suddenly you might have that rush of energy to do the house. Like These are the things that you're not thinking about, but your body is helping you to maintain energy balance and similarly when you don't consume enough it will go into more preservation sort of processes and also this is where it can become problematic if that's a chronic issue in the it then starts to shut the body down but in the day-to-day -day, like I definitely notice if I've had a day where like I was in London on Tuesday for work and I always find it really difficult when I'm working and traveling to keep on top of my um, intake just because of the nature of rushing around trying to find you know and what what often happens is I notice I get like I got to Euston station like it was like whatever time it was six o'clock seven o'clock can't remember now and I was frozen and I know that was not because it was cold outside it was because I needed food like my body was telling me that it, you haven't given it enough today Irene you need to get some food into you and it's those little things that you start to pick up on and notice and I think you know one of the things I'm always trying to teach people is I know there's a lot of tech out there I get that there's a lot of tech out there and I get that we're all becoming consumers of that tech and data and I get that and I know really geek out on it and I'm not saying you shouldn't but I think the thing to remember is the human body is designed to have its own monitoring system. It's constantly monitoring what is going on. The hypothalamus, which is also the boss of the brain, is constantly checking, you know, is the temperature OK? Have I got enough carbohydrate? Have I got enough red, uh, iron? Have You know, like it's constantly working it out. It's, it's never switching off. And so I think it's important. I always I'm always guided by my body if my body is telling me it's hungry even if I've just had a massive meal I'm like okay well I'm obviously still hungry I'm obviously in need of it if I'm desiring something maybe a little bit sweeter I will question did I eat enough carbohydrate in my last meal is that why I'm wanting something sugary because again it's just the brain the body trying to tell you something you know like I need glucose now I need sugar now so I think I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think we just have to be really mindful that it's very, very hard. And our watches that tell us we've burnt X amount of calories, that they they are completely pointless and useless from that point of view. Like they are not accurate in any form or manner. So yeah, that's just, something, something I spoke to about the guys I was coached the other day. I was like, you cannot trust these things. I totally agree. I use I, I, I'm with you. And what you've just said, actually, I'll go back and I'll, I'll let that digest a little bit more because maybe. I, I, with the practice that we run it is like the the calories are a guideline but you're right it's that understanding and, and it's something i do teach them so look if you're hungry there's a reason why you need to be mindful and really think about it rather because most people aren't mindful about food they just chuck it in but what i what i'm trying to do with the people that we coach is get them to be really mindful about what they've been doing over a day over a week uh, with their training and with their food and thinking, look, why why am I always a bit empty on the bike? Or why am I feeling absolutely ravenous? Um, 
And once they get a hang of that and their cues and think and asking themselves some really good quality questions, they're going, oh, okay, I need to eat a bit more. Or maybe I need to have a bit more carbohydrate because tomorrow's really tough or very long. And it's like, I need to make sure that that really is quality. And I don't ride my bike halfway through and think I need to get off. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a really important point to make because so many people are so fearful of thinking ahead. Like, like you, like, you know, if I've got a long run, I'll be thinking about that two or three days beforehand, not just the day before. I'll be thinking about that ahead, thinking about well, Sunday's like a really big run, right? Okay, well, I really need to make sure that sort of Friday, Saturday, I'm eating well to make sure I can, you know, I can make that, I can have enough energy to deliver. And and that's, a, again, something to remember is that our glycogen stores, where we store our carbohydrate, we can store between sort of 500, 600 grams of carbohydrate in there, depending on our size. And, and you know, like smaller people will be a bit less, bigger people will be a bit more. Um, and while that sounds like a lot, it actually takes quite a long time to, for the carbohydrate you consume to be stored as carb, to be stored as glycogen. So it can take up to 72 hours, which is why, you know, when you're thinking about like marathon training or, you know, you're doing your carb loading, that's why we're talking about four days beforehand, because we know that if you want full stores on the day of your race, then you need to be thinking about it two, you know, three, four days ahead of that, not the day before, because it's going to be too late. You're never going to be able to get that amount of carbohydrate. Like not even, you might be able to consume it, but you won't be able to, um, generate the glycogen for it so I think that's a really important thing to remember is that as you were saying right at the beginning what you eat today is not going to make a difference today or even tomorrow like it's it, it's when people you know potentially over consume week after week after week month after month that's when that's when the balance will start to shift and 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 one way to kind of think about this and reassure yourself is that if you look at people even if you look at people who are overweight they don't suddenly change in front of your eyes you know they don't like go from one week to the next week looking any different and yet they'll consume in a way maybe that you don't agree with but they're still not changing in like every day it takes time you might notice in two months three months time okay oh well, yeah maybe maybe they have changed a bit more but that will be again they haven't they're not mindful and they haven't changed their behavior so i think i like if the listeners don't take anything else away except that you know what you eat today is not going to affect you immediately then that's great because I think that's where people will then panic because they're like, oh, if I eat all that carbs today, then I'm going to put on weight tomorrow and then I won't be able to ride my bike or whatever it might be. And it's like, no, 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 that will actually help you to ride your bike better, do your run or whatever. That's a beautiful way of describing it because, uh, you know, if, if, if we can get across to people that carbs are actually a really good thing for energy creation and, and, and delivering and training, then that's a great thing. The thing realistically, what which really worries me and and is prevalent in the fitness space right now are blood glucose monitors and that constant bashing of insulin and sugar what what are your thoughts on this what have you seen and, and what are you seeing and how's that affecting people right now in your in your sphere so i have spoken openly about this a couple of times now because i am getting really concerned i've had a number of individuals coming to clinic who have quite frankly become so obsessive about what they're eating result of these um these monitoring tools should we call them and they have developed a really dysfunctional relationship with food and in the females that I've worked with their periods have stopped as a result of them not consuming enough of the energy and the carbohydrate particularly that they need so this this is this is problematic on a exponential you know scale as far as I'm concerned because we've got you've got sort of companies promoting it you've got celebrities promoting it you've got potentially well-informed professionals 
promoting it. And yet, when you actually talk to people in the know, so I've spoken to a number of endocrinologists, I've spoken to a number of um, scientists, um, other nutritionists, other dietitians, and everybody, we're all going, oh my God, this is, this is going to be really problematic. So in the past, the only time you would have continuous glucose monitoring would be with somebody who was a type 1 diabetic. Okay, so type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune condition um, and it's where careers you're born with the fact that your pancreas doesn't produce any insulin. So you can't control your blood sugar levels. So the whole point of the pancreas and insulin is that it is our it's our internal glucose monitoring, if you want to call it that. Like it, it, we have that as our internal and insulin and a well working pancreas is is not problematic like we can eat sugar we can eat carbs our blood sugars will go up but the insulin will be released and they'll come back down again the reason why insulin has become this fear is because people also associate it with absorbing glucose and then that turning into adipose and then that being problematic from a weight point of view and again it's not as simple as that and i think that's where we get back down to so and and i think the thing to remember is that in healthy individuals and i'm talking about individuals when i say healthy those that don't have type 1 diabetes in particular they their blood sugars will fluctuate a lot during the day that's normal you know if we do my blood sugars every hour on the hour for two weeks we would see huge fluctuations and that's completely normal that you know yes our body's very good at controlling it within a certain range but that doesn't mean it always has to be four that doesn't mean it can never be above six like it it, it is going to continuously and also that it's not just food that influences our blood sugar which again is so important remember so last month a couple of months ago now um because we were getting so many people coming through our clinic a lot of them having been a lot of them having signed up to the zap and then they were basically did this kind of they did their two weeks of um continuous blood monitoring and, and all sorts of other weird and wonderful things and they basically were then told that they should do intermittent fasting and they should do um no carbohydrates and all these and then again all these women are turning up to us and we've got no period and it's like no wow. shit, shit a lot. um so we decided as a team that someone we needed to kind of work out what what was going on and so one of my team went undercover and joined the Zoe app to see what the process was and what it involved because we were getting really worried that are we missing or you know and she did the two weeks of monitoring um and she did it in a in a controlled way because we're scientists she didn't control it. she said right she ate exactly the same food every single day exactly the same for two weeks so if food was the only influence on our blood sugars, then that would mean that her blood sugars should be controlled. And even if they were higher than they should be, they would be the same. But that's based on what was, what is being put out there. Her blood sugars were all over the place because it's influenced by stress. It's influenced by dehydration. It's influenced by your sleep to a certain degree. It's influenced poorly. It's influenced in women by their menstrual cycle. Like, that's the thing and none of these questions are being asked you didn't get once asked where are you in your menstrual cycle like didn't get asked any of those questions at all she just basically got told that her blood sugars were you know were concerning because they were fluctuating so much and that she need, needed to um talk to one of the advisors about an appropriate approach for her and when she went to one of these advisors and she challenged them she asked them things like well you know some of these questions that she put well you know, I was in the luteal phase of my menstrual cycle. What influence would that have? No, no knowledge. She talked to them about the fact that she blurred, so her sleep was really poor, and that you know sometimes it was very, very stressful. No information. She talked about well, what are the normal variations that you would expect in healthy individuals? No information. So, I just want to say that while I think initially initially the zoe app was a zoe study as you'll probably all remember it was a zoe study in the covid era you can call that now i think um where 
we were all encouraged to put information in every day so they could collect data for COVID to help the research around COVID and, and what was going on, what the symptoms were. I signed up to it because I was like, well, this is great. And it was research. So, you know, you put your information and you're collecting all this data. Then suddenly it became the Zoe app. And now people have to pay to be part of this process and that you're sending all your data in. So that is questionable for a start is like if it's meant to be research and data collection, why are you paying to do it? Um, but also it's become very, very transparent that, you know, Tim Spector, who is behind the Zoe app, has, this is his business now. This is he's got a huge amount of investment in it and he's had to declare that because he was called out on it. Huge amount. Of, and now he's bringing in individuals like Stephen Bartlett and Davina McCall to market it. And they are also both investors. So just don't be fooled by it. So what they are doing is actually quite unethical because it's not supported by science. Like there, there are people in like there are people top endocrinologists who are literally like this is not okay this is not this is not science and as with everything to do with nutrition you know he's used two really influential faces to market his product so of course people are going to be duped by it really it's, it is something that i feel very very strongly about and very concerned about um because it is giving false information. It's not even that the information is, you know, just not quite scientific. It's false information and it's potentially quite harmful. You know, if it starts to affect female menstrual cycles or female hormonal health, that's not OK. And we don't even know for men, right, because at least with women, we have a sign fairly early on that something's not right with our bodies. But when it comes to men, it takes a while before you can identify that your testosterone level is very, very low. It's not something that you'll not screen normally. So I think we have to be really, really careful. So with, with the continuous glucose monitoring, the, the big concern here is that we are scaremongering people and causing dysfunctional behaviours around food because people are trying, as you said right at the beginning, they are trying to keep their numbers to unrealistic targets that don't exist in anyone. And that's the bit that's important. So I mean, you know, I've been very much aware of this. Obviously, I'm really keen on on what's been pump, pumped out. And also a lot of my work with ask me these questions. And I think what I find really distasteful about a lot of these companies is they intermix quality science with really bad science and in my mind that's the worst kind of advertising for anything because they're not actually i don't mind if they get things wrong and then come back and go oh, we got this wrong but they don't and what they're doing is they're making money off the back of it and they're convincing people that they are worthless not you know all these sort of things that making them feel that they are inadequate if they're not on these things and potentially you're ruining your whole life and your long-term health span if you keep your insulin above whatever and it's like blimey this is a horrendous situation to be in and i know the evidence-based community are sat back thinking how do we we it's almost like this ball is rolling and i i reckon in about a year or so time it's we're going to be faced with a bunch of people that know nothing about nutrition uh are petrified of eating anything's got carbohydrate in it shit scared of the word of uh, of insulin and we're going to be sat there going oh blimey where do we start it's like we it's almost like and i think martin mcdonald said this we're, we're being pushed back a decade by these people in their understanding of good nutrition uh, hunger management everything else that runs along with it and it I, I think so one of the guys that i work with he he did the zoe's um two-week sort of trial period um, and he was talking about how they were talking about gut biome and and the translation into feces. And I'm like, but that's not even backed up by science. You know, the two are very different. They don't even match. Um, and we had a, a a healthy conversation about the subject. But I'm like, this is the problem, though. So Zoe says this, and therefore, or whatever company says this, and therefore, you know, they believe it because they're bought into it, and they don't want to be proven wrong um and it's like this is worrying because now we're 
completely fighting a big fight against so it feels like Samson and Goliath, right? It's like, where where do we go? How do we do this? I think what's really interesting, though, like the athletes I've worked with who have been using these tools have actually realized that they're not learning anything new from it. So what I mean by that is like I have a couple of athletes who really like I say I have a lot of athletes I work with, but there are a handful that are quite smart, but yeah, they were offered these products as a like test me, promote me kind of thing. And they were like, really, what do you think? I'm like, I mean, I doubt it's going to teach us anything new, but yeah, why not? We can we can definitely give it a go. And they use them in races um, and in training. And we kind of looked at all the data together and I was like, OK, cool. All this has told me is what physiology tells me, which is when you start running, your blood sugar drops. Or when you well, basically when you first start running, your blood sugar rises and then it drops because that's what happens. That's normal reaction. That's all it's telling me. And when your blood sugar, so what these, these monitoring tools do, especially when you're training, is when your blood sugar drops below a certain level, it beeps and it basically encourages you to take fuel on. Now, most of the athletes I work with know when they should take fuel on they know how much they should take because they've been working with me so they they get this because they were kind of fundamentally already doing what was what the body is designed to do i think where maybe if we really are kind of really clutching at straws here the only time i think it could potentially be helpful is if it, you have got an athlete who is significantly under fueling all the time and maybe it might give them insight into the fact that one of the reasons they're not performing well is because their blood sugar is rock bottom the entire time they're they're you know they're training but i would be concerned about putting anybody who is under fueling on something like this because it will just be something they can get obsessional over so i think i think there's there's an aspect of these i would like to think that most individuals that would consider using them after even using them although sadly they have already been uh kind of conned into purchasing them so the money's kind of gone but i think they would potentially start realizing that there's there's no benefit to this it's not really helping me to improve my knowledge anymore but i think where i'm more anxious is in individuals that are panicked by the information that they are getting from it and then also being advised wrongly into what they should be doing for their overall health and i don't know what we do simon i genuinely despair like this area of nutrition that is like it's the area i've pretty much grown up in from a career point of view and it just becomes more and more controversial more and more polarized and harder and harder to navigate even as a health professional in it um and i do i do worry about going because it doesn't seem to matter how much education you have what your qualifications are it all seems to matter on how influential you are and how much noise you can make which i guess has always been the case but i think social media has really driven that that people are likely to trust those that have got a bigger following than those that have a better understanding of knowledge and you know i did a post a few weeks ago about even people with the right title can't always be trusted because if they are content creators first just because doctor in front of their name or or whatever that doesn't mean that they are doesn't mean they've got a moral compass because you know fundamentally in my case if i didn't have instagram it wouldn't make a difference to my career right i would continue to get referrals from all the different places I get referrals I'll continue to do my job like way before Instagram I had a clinic <laughs> like I I you know I'm known for my work through my work and and that's you know where it comes from so if I didn't have Instagram it would make very little difference to me fundamentally mm 
But when you see a health professional who has basically built their reputation and their work on their platform, and actually their main job is the content creation, not the working with the people on the ground level, that's where I get worried because these people are really good at content. Like that's what they're paid for. And they're really good at it and they get more and more and more followers because they're really good at it. Like I know, like my content's not bad. Don't get me wrong. Like my, the you know, in terms of the information we put out, it's spot on. And it's because I'm so mindful of it. And, you know, I have it helps me to make it look pretty. But I'm not going to spend hours and hours and hours on it because I have a clinic to run and I have sports clubs that I work with and I have books to write and I have blogs to write like I don't have time it's not it's not my first job I do it because I care about the general public and I worry about the information that's out there and I want to be the voice of reason and that's what a lot of people call me on Instagram is that voice of reason they can go to when they're concerned about something but I think I genuinely think we need proper legislation on social media how you police that i don't know because again like we said there are people with with you know with a doctor in front of their title but they've never done a day's doctor's work you know they, they they've done the degree but they've never actually worked with with actual people in a clinic or you know in a whatever they've never been on the ward or whatever it might be so i think it's it is a problematic situation and I try not to get too bogged down in it because I think if I do then I would not get up in the morning but um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> I think um from my perspective I uh you know what I what I've done actually over time and obviously I've studied um but I what I do is I I basically pull into the people that I know are talking the truth and they you know so even if they've got a doctor in front of them but I think they're just content creators I don't follow them I'm not interested but there are some really good health professionals out there who've got very good social media presence. And I, I watch what they talk about because actually the information they give out to is, as far as I'm aware, some of the best knowledge you can see. And that's only a really good thing. They don't have the same followers as, let's say, uh, Davina McCall, for instance, but they're, gr they're gaining over time, which is fascinating and brilliant all at the same time. I, I keep thinking, look, keep doing what you're doing because you're educating people in the right way and you're this absolute nonsense that you see on on social media um and it's chipping away at the bad information but yeah you're right i mean look you know uh, i've got youtube and social media and i'm pretty prevalent on it and i see regularly daily some really horrendous information and i don't i'll be honest i don't have the energy or the time because like you i'm coaching but I have the energy of the time to drop in and go, that's the most horrendous information I've ever seen. Because I know I'm just going to get absolutely trolled to bits. I, I don't have the time to manage it, delete it, all that stuff. And it's like, ugh. The only thing I can do is, to the best of my knowledge and understanding, is, is learn it and deliver it. People can understand and, and, and learn in a way that they can go, actually, I could put that into practice. That's pretty straightforward. Um, it's just the problem is it's not that sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's always been the problem like, nutrition isn't meant to be sexy like you know when you talk about eating in moderation which is kind of what we're talking about mm. you know we're not saying you can't eat that we're not saying there's no there's no food you can't eat ever mm. we're just saying that certain foods you need to be a little bit more mindful of but even then that depends on your lifestyle you know if you are you know, doing 20 you know, I don't know 12 15 20 hours of training a week then you're going to need to actually ignore the public health messages and actually probably consume more of the foods that you're probably avoiding because that's an easy way to get the energy in that your body needs but yeah if you are sat um, at your desk day in day out and you don't do any form of formal exercise you don't even walk a dog or you don't even walk around the block then you probably do need to be a bit more mindful about the amount of sugar you eat or the amount of, you know, energy you consume generally. And, and that's the reality of it. There's no there's no other way of kind of explaining it, but it's not sexy. It's not particularly people want quick fixes. And again, with the rise of social media, everybody become like one. People have become really dependent on free information. 
and two people have become accustomed to instant gratification i want to feel better now not i'm going to do this process and see where i get to in three months time it's i want to feel better now and it's like well that's not going to happen because we can't always feel better and you know it, it is it is really difficult and i and i i got i really wish social media had never been um had never been like never ever turned up on our doorsteps like i i i think most people who know me know that i have a real love hate relationship for it i just it genuinely causes most of the problems in today's society and um especially when it comes to mental health and and i just i wish it had never been invented personally so i i sort of i agree and disagree i, I see the good and the bad of it I think there's a, 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 as I say, there's a bunch of people out there who are really trying to do the best that they can to give good quality, straightforward, educational, fun information. And there's a lot of people who are taking the mickey out of it and just don't care. And I think we have our own responsibility to take a step back and, and ask ourselves that truth. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people don't. As you say, a lot of people are very, especially now, you know, it's, it's I sit less luckily with the cohort people I coach they're all about 40 onwards so they're not expecting to start a training plan and instantly be the fastest person going up a hill yeah. on a bike they know it takes time <laughs> but I yeah. you know I think you're right you know there is that and I, I would be a liar to say that even at my age so I'm 53 uh, and, and I look you know you look at social media and you think blimey these 53 year olds are in great shape and like, yeah what the hell are they taking to look like that <laughs> Well, I think this is it. Maybe you just get cynical as you get older. I don't know. But um, I definitely get cynical more and more. And I feel really bad. Like I've got a um, nearly 21-year-old and, and she is, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about what she's going to change in the world. Like she's really into, she's doing politics and social policy at university and wants to go into social policy. And part of me is like, yeah, good on you. And the other part of me is like, oh, my God, like give it another 20 years and you're going to be like me, just really cynical about the whole thing. So, <laughs> Um, but obviously I'm going to encourage her but uh, yeah it's, so it's look, a good one <laughs> I think the thing is let's wrap up and, and and just say you know with the reason why to get you on here was to have a solid sounding reason as to you know information that I see flying around at the moment about carbohydrates and insulin and things like that. if we were to wrap up I think the the thing that you've been saying right along the lines is like you don't need to worry about this um it is it's a everybody fluxes day to day on their energy intake and outtake and output um and you really need to be mindful about what you're eating so where would how would you leave the conversation so people listening in will go yeah i get it i understand what she's trying to say i think what i'd say is and it's nobody's gonna like this but i would say trust your body like the human body is designed to tell you what it needs when you need it and i just think unfortunately the more we become obsessed with external cues we stop listening to our internal cues and you know the human body knows how to cope with, with blood glucose the human body knows how to cope with a little bit extra energy on a potentially you know every now and again basis like it's about being able to trust it and not not feel like you have to control it i think that that's probably a big thing is that everybody's trying to control their body and if you just allow it to be it pretty much works really well for you and does what it needs to do and if you look around you and you you see individuals that you kind of um envy because you think well they eat whatever they want and they're fine like they never have to worry about it it's probably because they don't try and control they allow their body to make to call the control i guess like when you you know when you when you are in control you have choice and i don't think people are allowing their bodies to have choice fundamentally it's interesting isn't it that's a, a cool way to to finish off look thank you very much i really appreciate your time um i know this podcast will be really well received because a lot of people listening and will because this as i say goes out in january and people are like, well, how do I die? And I'm like, well, listen to this first and, and then go away and start becoming a bit more mindful of hunger cues and what you're eating and and just maybe engage a bit more 
and be a bit kinder to yourself, right? So many people are. And I think understand that most of our behavior is usually about protection. So if you are noticing, like you said, like be mindful of your behaviors and become aware of them. And if you are eating every hour on the hour, yeah, okay, that probably isn't great. And it's like, okay, why am I doing this? Go a bit deeper, ask yourself, well, what is the purpose of this? What am I trying to avoid feeling? Or what am I trying to, you know, gain from this? That's how you change your relationship with food is understanding the behavior associated with what you're doing and trying to work out what is it what is it doing for you what is the purpose of that behavior i think that that's a really rather than trying to go right i'm just going to you know restrict or i'm going to do fasting whatever it is understand you and Mm -hmm. and your relationship with food i think we're both on the same lines on that it's like you know really really sort of like take uh a moment to think about what you're doing and be present in your own head and in your own decision go oh, I'm, just not, I'm gonna eat that anyway that's fine it's not a problem you know um and having that attitude is quite cool because it's like well i really fancy a biscuit so i'm gonna have one it doesn't it's not a problem but it's like mindlessly eating all the biscuit go, oh, i'm just eating the whole packet why have i done that so you know so I, not not a lot of people think that way i think um that's maybe maybe that's another thing for maybe that's another thing to talk about and another time we get you on on the podcast and chat about maybe if, if you would be if you have time come back and talk to us about food and feelings and hunger cues and stuff because that would be cool really cool yeah um, taken up enough of your time anyway thank you so much indeed i've really enjoyed this um i hope you have a really good christmas Uh, and this will come out on the 12th of january because they always come out once a month um and i'll ping a message once it's out brilliant that sounds good have a great christmas and um a restful one i hope and uh and yeah i will look forward to the episode (laughs) thank you i hope you enjoyed that podcast i certainly was writing down a few notes while rene was chatting to me do me a great favor with you i think the information that rene's come out with and the conversation that we've had will help a lot of people understand nutrition better and help them navigate this crazy conversation right now about carbohydrates, insulins and sugars. So if you found this helpful and you know other people will, send them a link to this podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, send them a link to this. But also please look, hit like, write some comments in there, give us a a chance to get our good message out that what we're trying to do is give great information and help people understand the nutrition sphere a lot better. And listen, thank you very much for watching and I will be back next month.